welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen and amen. amen. I'm thankful for that glorious day 16 years ago when I ran out of that grave. So just to introduce myself, my name is Stanley Lane. I am not the lead pastor here at Connection Church. I just have the opportunity to be able to serve wherever Buck will let me serve. Um, I'd much rather be with the babies, uh, rocking the babies, than be up here on stage. Uh, but this is what God's called me to do. So this morning I am stepping out of fear and of doubt and into the calling that God has called me to do. And I thank you, Buck, for giving me the opportunity to be able to speak, to be able to preach God's word. Um, to, to your flock. So wherever you are, thank you. Um, uh, so before we, we dig in, let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just love you. We love you, God, because you first loved us. I thank you for what you're doing here at Connection Church, God, and how what you're doing here in Connection Church has overflowed into Dublin, Lord, and then it has overflowed into the community that I live in, which is in Wilkeson County, God. So thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. Lord, I do pray for myself, Lord. I just pray that you would remove me, Lord, and you would just have your way. You would have your way this morning um, with your people, your children, God. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the book of James. Uh, I thank you for your little brother James and, and what he's teaching us here in this small book, Lord. And, and Lord, I just pray that we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, Lord. And so, Lord, as, as we preach your word, I just pray that that hearts are open, uh, eyes are open, Lord, and uh, Lord, that we would just do what our daddy told us to do. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. So as a church, we've been in the book of James, and today we're going to be in chapter 3. And uh, what we've been talking about is authentic faith, real faith, faith that works. And James is a very, very short book. It's uh, only five chapters, 105 verses, um, and it only takes about 15 minutes to read. But for such a small book, uh, it packs a big punch. Uh, they say dynamite comes in small packages, and in the book of James, it is a dynamite. Um, before we started the series, Buck does a sermon prep meeting on Thursdays, and they, they call that Throat Punch Thursdays. Um, a guy in our, our, our Connect group, um, he said that James is a bully, um, and he is. And let me just throw a plug out there. If you're not a part of a Connect group, I'd really encourage you to get plugged into that. Sunday mornings are great. We love to come and we love to sing and worship. Um, the sermons are, are always spectacular, um, minus maybe today. But uh, Connect Groups is where real life happens. Um, we've seen some amazing things happen in, in Connect Groups, and, and that's just where real people come. Um, you can get prayed for. You can get encouraged. You dig into the Word. We usually share a meal. So if you're not a part of a Connect group, I really encourage you to, after the services, get connected back there in the back. They'll connect you into a group. Um, so with all that being said, this message is not to condemn. Um, condemning means when you condemn a building, you put it, you deem it no longer good for any use. Um, and that's what not, this message is not intended to do. Um, we know in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is now no condemnation those in Christ Jesus. Now, in 2 Timothy, we're told that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training for, in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So my prayer is that this, that this message 
um, you would not feel condemned. Because if you are feeling condemned, that is from the enemy. That is a lie from the enemy. Jesus said in 1010, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus came, that you may, that you may have life and have it abundantly. Um, so the purpose of today is, is really for healing. Um, healing for you um, and conviction. If you're feeling conviction, what that is is the Holy Spirit just points something in your life um, that is not bringing you good and Him glory. Um, so allow the Holy Spirit to do that, to weed things out of your life. Um, so what we're about here at Connection Church is connecting people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So my prayer after this sermon is that, one, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today you would make that connection. Uh, and two, if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that this message helps you grow closer to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I said before we've been in the book of James, and uh, this morning we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, and James, the little brother of Jesus, is going to be talking about something that we all struggle with, the tongue, um, our words. Um, according to Google, the average person speaks 7,000 words in one day. They do say that some women speak more than, than men. And we all have that family member or friend that uh, don't look at AJ, um, look at me, uh, that speaks well over 7,000 words. Um, uh, I love AJ. AJ and my wife are the same. Um, she likes to speak as well. But um, I am thankful for AJ's words in my life. Um, but the average person speaks 7,000 words. And what James is going to say that our words really matter. And if you remember, this, this book, this letter, is actually to believers. And as a believer, your words really, really matter. Because the outside world is looking at us and watching us and watching everything we do. I heard a poem the other day. It said that the, every human being has two tongues, one in their mouth, one in their shoe. People listen to what you say and watch what you do. And, and they do. I mean, especially as a believer. I know at work... I've had um, people come up to me when I, when I stumble with my words and like, hey, I thought you were a Christian, you know, and that is so <laughs> convicting and crushing. But um, our words really matter as believers. Um, not only our words, you know, our tongue. James is going to be talking about our tongue, but um, today I want to also talk about our thumbs, you know. So a lot of our communication done today is either through email or text. I know me, I get about 30 emails a day and there's a lot of times when somebody comes at me with a snarky email, and so I, I go to typing, and I type this three-paragraph uh, email back, and then I have to read over it, and then I have to delete that, and then just reply, okay. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of time nowadays that we use our thumbs and our fingers um, to produce words, and that's on social media. I'll never forget one time one of my kids had... Uh, uh, said something about, or asked me the question, hey, Dad, does Adam and Eve have a belly button? Which is a great question. I have no idea. So I just thought it was funny. I thought I'd post it on Facebook, so I posted it on Facebook. I said, I got a question. Does Adam and Eve have a belly button? And I did not know that this would start World War III. I mean, people, Christians, would go, and they were, they were just fighting back and forth. And I even caught myself in there, you know, responding. So if, if you know if Adam and Eve has a belly button, please don't come after come after church and, and just tell me why. When I get to heaven, I'll lift up Adam's robe and I'll see for myself if he had a belly button. Um, but our words are important. Whether we use them with our tongue or our thumbs, um, it is very important. Uh, and we're about to see that in James chapter 3, starting with verse 1. We're going to read through the whole thing, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. Um, 
I'm getting to use my son's Bible, my oldest son. It just does my heart good to see all the highlights and the notes that he has made. So, dude, I'm proud of you wherever you are. Um, James chapter 3. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. They're also large and driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And a tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by, fire, set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God." From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These, should not, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth um, from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So in verse 1 and 2, James starts off with teachers. He says, you know, um, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. Um, and the first time I read this, I was like, great, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to stand in front of no people and, and, and speak, and, and, but God has something else, in my, uh, another calling in my life. But I don't want to be a teacher. But the truth is, we're all teachers of some sort. Um, whether you're a parent, um, whether you are a supervisor at work, um, the Great Commission, or the Great Recommission, is like what we like to call it in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and what? And teach. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. So we're all teachers. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews in 5.12 says, for, for now, for though by this time we all ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid foods. So whether we want to be or not, we are all teachers. Um, so this message is for every single one of us. Um, now I do want to call out the men in this room, um, especially if you're a daddy, because um, guys, your words really, really matter. Um, they really, really matter. We, we as a father, we, we share the same title as our heavenly father, and that is father. Um, so our words really, really matter. I've had the opportunity to be able to speak to a lot of, or talk to a lot of people and them just sharing their story and, and how they struggle with anger or bitterness or, or different sins. And what it always goes back to is what their daddy one um, said to them negatively. Um, such as hard, harsh words, abusive words, um, broken promises, you know, putting them down, or has come, uh, their struggles have been from what their daddies didn't say to them. And this is words like, I love you, I'm proud of you, you know, words of encouragement, telling your daughter you're beautiful, um, good job. You know, I, my own father, he shared with me one time, my dad always told me, he said, I love you, I love you, I love you. He told me all the time, um, 
And uh, I asked him one day, I said, Daddy, why are you always telling me that? And I said, I know you love me. He said, my daddy never once in my life told me that he loved me. And my daddy struggled with certain things, and it was because of that. He did not have his daddy's approval. So dads, you can either speak life into your children's life, or you can speak death. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it's true. It's true. Our children are like sponges. And then, you know, they just soak in and they soak in and they soak in. And what happens when this world comes at them and they start squeezing them? What's, what's been poured into them will come out. Um, I've seen it in, in many people's lives. So James is about to give us four illustrations on the power of the tongue. And each one of these illustrations uh, show us how something so small can either bring life or death. And the first illustration is in verse 3. In verse 3, it says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So the first thing he gives us is a bit. And if you don't know what a bit is, it's a small piece of metal about five inches long that actually goes into a horse's mouth. And it goes into the horse's mouth, and then some leather straps go to that bit, and then the rider holds onto the leather straps. So what this is used for is they can make the horse either turn left by pulling left or turn right by pulling right or either stop by pulling back. Well, I don't ride horses unless gas prices continue to go up. Um, I may have to get me one. But when I was younger, that's all I wanted to be was a cowboy. I wanted to be a cowboy. Uh, matter of fact, for my birthday, I already had my cowboy hat, my cowboy boots. But uh, I got uh, one of those badges, the sheriff badge, a holster, and I actually got some metal spurs to go on my boots. So I had all this on, and my uncle thought it would be a great idea to take me to go ride his horse. Um, so he loaded me up. He took me over. Um, to his farm and, and set me on the horse and he showed me how to how to lead this horse and I'd pull the pull, pull the reins left and the horse turned left and vice for right and he'd turn right and pull back and the horse would stop. Well then I was doing such a great job. My uncle looked at me and he says, Stanley, he said, why don't you kick him with them spurs, boy? And I was like, all right, here we go. And I've watched enough cowboys and Indian movies. I knew what to do. So I kicked that horse with them spurs and I slapped them reins. When I did, that horse took off. He took off through the woods and limbs. He was trying to get me off. So these limbs were popping me in the head. I'm screaming. I'm seven years old. I'm 50 pounds. This horse is 800 pounds. And uh, I hear my uncle holler, pull back, pull back. So I yanked back on the reins as hard as I could. And when I did, that horse stopped. But what he did was he, he reared up and then he fell back on top of me. And, and so if I'd have pulled those reins softly or gently, that horse would have just responded softly or gently. But because I yanked on him so hard, that horse is trying to kill me. And that's, that's the power of this bit. You know, it can it could get us to where we want to go or it could kill us. Um, and so for the first point, our words carry a lot of power. Our words carry so much power. Proverbs, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. Um, some... some uh, Manuscripts say a gentle answer uh, turns away wrath. Um, that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie from the pit of hell because um, words really hurt. And the truth is, you know, somebody could hit me in the eye and I could have a black eye. That black eye is going to heal. and It's going to heal pretty quickly. But I know people that are walking around today from words that just wounded them from years and years and years ago. So our words have so much power. The second illustration we're, we're given is about a ship. And in verse uh, 4 through 5, it says, Look at the ships also. Though they are, all, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the, the will of the pilot directs. So they, 
So also the tongue is small member, yet it boasts of great things. So here it talks about the rudder of a ship. Now back then they had sailboats and with big sails, but they had a small rudder that would turn the boat. Um, I was reading, I'm not a big history buff, but in 1940 um, there was a German ship, battleship named the Bismarck. Um, this ship was thought to be indestructible. Um, so what happened was this ship was really fast, really powerful. So the British come in, they said, well, what we can do, we'll take out the rudder. So what they did, they shot a missile to the rudder, and all this ship could do was go around in circles. So this big old ship would go around in circles, round and round and round, and then the British, they would come, and they just, they eventually sunk this indestructible ship um, in, into the bottom of the ocean. So point number two, our words, our tongue can steer the direction of our life. And not only the direction of our life, the direction of our kids' life and other people's life as well. Remember, daddies, we steer the direction of our families. You know, what you tell your wife matters. What you tell your kids really, really matters. You know, I've watched big uh, pastors at mega churches that actually plant churches get up here in the pulpit and then they start preaching and teaching. And uh, what would happen is the people of the church would not respond the way they wanted them to respond and they would start to get bitter. And what was in them would come out. So then they started, their preaching style really got bitter and, and eventually they would lose the church. The elders would actually tell them to step down. Um, it was actually a pastor that I followed when I first became to know Jesus. I won't call any names, but um, I watched him. I watched him build this church up to a really large church and then, and then ruin it with just, just one word or his words. Um, so, again, our words can, can steer the direction of our lives and others' lives as well. And uh, the third illustration in verse 5 through 6. It says, So also their tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And their tongue is a fire in the world of unrighteousness. And the fire is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of hell, or entire, entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So the third illustration we get is a spark. In 2016, uh, me and a bunch of friends of mine, we would every year we'd go up North Georgia and go trout fishing. And uh, in 2016, when we were going up there, I just noticed that a bunch of the woods had been burned down. Um, so they had a big wildfire up in North Georgia. Um, they really don't know where the spark come from. They, th they think it could be a cigarette butt somebody threw it out the window. But it caused millions and millions of dollars of damages. Um, it's just a lot of destruction and, and death. Um, now, this past uh, month, me and my friend Matt, uh, we actually went back up there in North Georgia, and we were in North Georgia, and I seen this little sign on this tree, this little yellow sign, and I asked him, he was, he, he was a forester, and I asked him, I said, Matt, what's that sign about? He said, oh, this is an area that we do control burns at. And I said, well, what, what is that for? He said, the purpose of a control burn is we intentionally set fires and, and, and put them in a strategic um, place and I said, well, what is that for? He said, well, what that's for is, is actually to burn off all the underbrush. It burns off all the underbrush. It helps the trees grow up healthy. Um, he said it also keeps from wildfires from happening. So that spark, yeah, it can cause a lot of damage, but it also can do a lot of good and bring life, which is our, my third point. Um, our words can bring a lot of destruction or it can build up. You know, I think of people like Hitler uh, Adolf Hitler versus uh, people like Billy Graham, uh, both of them um, extraordinary leaders, whether you, you agree or not. They led multiple people. Multiple people followed them. But Adolf Hitler, they said over 16 million people died under Adolf Hitler's 
um, rule and reign. Um, Billy Graham, um, 3.2 million people come to know Jesus um, through his message, through his words. So we see the power of the tongue and how it can either bring life through Billy Graham or death. And, you know, I thank God for Billy Graham because, um, yeah, that 3.2 million people got saved, but they continue to get saved through his ministry. You know, I've seen words destroy families. Uh, I just told you I've seen it destroy churches. I've, just, I've seen it destroy friendships. Um, on the flip side of that, I've also seen words build up families. I've seen it grow families. I've seen it start new friendships. I've seen it start new churches. And really, I've seen that right here in Connection Church. Uh, I see it right there in our in Connect groups. I see what it's doing here, and it's exciting to be a part of that. And, and why is that? I believe is because everything that we do is centered on Jesus and the gospel. Uh, so the last illustration that he gives us in, is in verse 7 or 8. Um, 7 and 8. <clears throat> For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So here we see the taming of animals. And, and I don't know if a lot of you know us. I have six kids. My oldest boy is... Ever since he's been a little bitty thing, he's always went out in the woods and caught animals. He's caught anything from snakes to lizards to deer to possums, and he'd bring them in and he'd actually make them his pet. Um, I've seen him tame some crazy things. Um, and he's been doing this since he was like three or four. He'd go out in the middle of the night in the swamp and, 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 and catch things. But I've also seen like in, in SeaWorld, you know, SeaWorld we see these big killer whales why you would want to tame a killer whale when killer is in the name. But people would tame these killer whales. Um, but also, these killer whales, we think they're tame, but one day they would have enough and they would actually kill the trainer. I seen a video the other day on when animals attack. Um, so my, my, my fourth point is that no human being can tame the tongue. And we'll continue on. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But we'll continue on when verses 9 through 12. It says, With it we bless our our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James is reminding us that our tongue or our thumbs um, we tend to praise and we, we tend to curse. And, you know, some of us may have done this, that did this this morning. Um, I know I have a large family. I know Sunday mornings are, are really tough sometimes. What happens is we stay up late on Saturday morning or Saturday night, uh, and then we hit that snooze button on Sunday morning multiple times. Uh, we get up late, and then when we get up late, we're in a rush, and we start yelling at our kids and our wife, or our wife starts yelling at us to get dressed and get some lunch, brush your teeth, or get some breakfast and brush your teeth. And we all, it's just chaos. I know, I've been there. Um, so you get ready, you're already late, you get in the car, and then halfway to church, one of your young ones hollers, Mama, I forgot my shoes. And then you really lose it. Um, that's happened to us multiple times. Thank God it, it hadn't happened this morning. Um, it tried. We actually had an incident this morning where two of my kids got to fighting right as we were walking out the door. And I was like, not today, Satan, not today. We're talking about the tongue. Um, so I was able to give them a little grace. Uh, we may talk about it when we get home. Um, but uh, 
But, but we've all been through that. You know, we've all been through that. And then we come in here and we sing, we put on this happy face and we sing and we worship and we praise God. We lift our hand and we shout amen every now and then. And, and Joby Martin, I like what he says. He says, we do that, mm, that, mm, that's good. Mm. He says, mooing like cows. Um, we all do that. But uh, James is saying this shouldn't be, you know, you know, blessings and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. And, you know, your words would either bring ministry to your family or misery. It would bring heaven or either bring hell. It will bring life or death. We've just seen that in Proverbs. Um, so what do I mean? In, in what ways do our words negatively, negatively bring death? Um, bullying, mocking, slandering, gossiping. And as Christians, what we do when we gossip, we, we use it as a prayer request. We say, Please pray for so-and-so. They're you know, struggling with this. Um, criticizing, lying, dirty jokes, filthy language, burst of anger, yelling, broken promises. That all brings death. Um, and on the flip side of that, uh, what, word, what ways are words used in a positive way in, a, in life and healing? You know, gentle words, kindness, encouraging words. Words like, I love you, good job. Um, you know, I think of my granddaddy. My granddaddy, he really kind of raised me. And one thing about granddaddy, when I'd mess up, he never yelled at me. He never told me he was disappointed in me. Um, he would encourage me, and usually he would joke about it. But uh, I really respect granddaddy and, and what I would do. If, if I was struggling with something, it, it gave me the opportunity to be able to go to him and, and trust him um, to talk to him. I could always count on him saying something help, healing or helping. Um, so you may say, okay, I get it. I have an issue with my mouth. Um, how do we fix it? You know, that's, as believers, that's what we want. If we, there's something wrong, we want to fix it. You know, what do I need to do? So first thing we have to do is we have to, we have to get to the root of the problem. Um, the root of the problem, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 through 35, it says, you brood of vipers. And he's talking to religious people, people who's been in church, um, who, who sing praises. Um, they have dedicated their life to God. Um, but he's talking to, to, to religious people. He, said, he calls them, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And a good man brings good things out of him, the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. So Jesus says, your heart is full of, what your heart is full of is what's going to come out. You know, if you're full of anger, guess what's going to come out? Anger. If you're full of evil, guess what's going to come out? Evil. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, what's going to come out is the fruits of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are what's going to come out if you're filled with that. So going back to all the illustrations, as I read through these illustrations and these verses, I noticed that each illustration, each thing, was controlled by something so the horse's bit was controlled by a rider. Uh, the ship it was controlled by a captain. Uh, the, a spark, somebody had to hold that match. Uh, taming animals, somebody had to do that. So James tells us in verse 8 that no one can tame the tongue. So if we can't, con we can't tame or control the tongue, who can? I hate to give the Sunday school answer, but anytime you don't know the answer in church, it's always Jesus. Um, and that's the truth. You know, Jesus is the only one that can tame 
the tongue. The truth is that only Jesus can change the heart, and he, he, can only, he, he can only tame the tongue as well. And he does that through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living in us and through us. And we can't do it ourselves. Now, we can try. We can try to do it ourselves. And you may do good for about a week or so, um, but eventually what's, what's in here is going to come out. Um, so just a few months ago, before I knew I was going to be preaching on the tongue, I had the opportunity to share with a guy that I know, actually worked with him. And, and uh, he was actually asking about the tattoo of my arm and what it meant. And tattoo of my arm says to telestai. It means it is finished. It's the last thing that Jesus said on the cross. So I got to sharing to him what that means. And then he says, you really believe all that stuff? And I was like, I really do, because it changed my life. So um, he ended up asking me about a story in the Old Testament. I won't get in detail. There's kids in here. But it was very vulgar, very, it happened. It happened in the Bible. Um, but I was able to walk him through that. And then what I did, I actually started in Genesis. And I walked him all the way through the, to the resurrection. And um, then I got talking about what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. I said, um, what it is to be a disciple of Jesus is actually following Jesus. And not only following Jesus, but actually doing what Jesus done. That's a true disciple of, um, of, of Jesus. And um, so I got talking to him, and I, and, and I said, in order to uh, be a disciple of Jesus, to follow Jesus, you have to take next steps. And I looked at him, and I said, what is your next step? And I, just, I knew this guy was about to get saved. I was like, he's just going to get saved. He said, I need to quit cussing. And I was like, man, I was like, are you sure that's your next step? And he said, yeah. He's like, I'm going to quit cussing. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. I said, I'll tell you what. He said, I, want, I told him, I said, I want you to come back to me in about a week from now, and I want you to tell me how you're doing with that next step. He's like, I'm going to quit. I said, okay. I said, again, come back next week and let me know how you're doing. So we continued to talk uh, back and forth, and, and uh, a few minutes later, this guy drops um, the Lord's name in vain. And when he did, he caught himself, and I caught it, and we looked at each other, and he's like, man. And then he said another four-letter word, and he's like, I can't quit. I said, that's my point exactly. I said, that's my point exactly. You can't take that third and fourth step until you've taken that first step with Jesus. In Ezekiel um, 36, 26 through 27, this is the Lord speaking. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put these in you, and I will remove the heart of stone from from your flesh and will give you a new heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So the first step is not to quit cussing or is not to speak to your family or speak to your, co your co-workers or, or the people who work to you with you um, nicely. The first step is to receive Jesus as Lord if you haven't. Um, and what do I mean by that? A lot of people, especially right here in the Bible Belt, they've received Jesus as Savior, but they haven't received him as Lord. You know, there's so many people, I don't want to go to hell. You know, everybody wants a Savior. Nobody wants to go to hell. But not everybody wants a Lord. And what a Lord is is somebody that actually tells you what to do. Not only does our Lord tell us what to do, he gives us the power to do it. Um, and that's so encouraging to me. Um, my Uncle Terry, 16 years ago, um, when I gave my life to the Lord, I'll never forget, he had a ministry. They went around singing. And he, he said something. He stood on stage and he said something. He said, there's 12 inches. The distance between your brain and your heart is 12 inches. He said, people are going to uh, miss heaven by 12 inches. There's a lot of people that's going to miss that. Buck last week talked about the chair. And, and, and actually walking around the chair and believing that that chair will hold him up versus actually sitting in that chair. Um, Making Jesus Lord is sitting in that chair. 
And my fear is that there's so many people walking around today that come to church. They come to church, they sing praises, um, they read their Bible, but yet they do not have that true relationship with Jesus. They haven't made Jesus Lord. They will not do what he's telling them to do. Um, so you may say, well, I'm already a believer, but I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling with my words. Um, and this may come from your past. I know me, I had to go back to my past and things that happened in my past and go back and, and ask for forgiveness for things and forgive other people for things in order for me to be healed because hurt people hurt people. Um, they really do. You know, when you're a parent and you hurt your kids, um, if they don't deal with that, if they don't give that to Jesus and let Jesus deal with that, they're going to hurt somebody else later on. Um, so if you're struggling with your words and it's, it's just something... Um, that you're still struggling with, I want to just tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Um, in the second verse of the chapter, James says that we all stumble. Every single one of us stumble. And we stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. There's only one perfect man. His name's Jesus. Um, the Bible says that you and I, we all fall short of the glory of God. It's what you do when you fall short that matters. Um, Proverbs 24, uh, 16 says this. says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. So the believer is not characterized by falling, but is characterized by getting back up. You know? So don't give up. You know, I think of David, uh, King David. He messed up royally, no pun intended. He, uh, David was a man after God's own heart, um, God had gave him a, a big kingdom. He slaved giants. He, 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 he conquered many battles. Um, God did a lot of big things through David. Well, one day, David decides he wants to be lazy. He sends his, sends his uh, guys out to battle. He stays back home, and he gets caught up in adultery. Um, he has an affair with this lady. And then this lady ends up getting pregnant. So what he does is... He tries to hide his sin, which that's what we tend to do. We try to cover up one sin with another sin. Um, and he goes and he um, actually gets this lady's husband and brings him back home. And that way his wife, would, I mean, his, this man would have relations with his wife. But the man was an outstanding man, uh, a man of integrity. And he said, man, I can't do that. All of my guys are out there fighting. So he didn't do it. So David sent him back out to war and then put him on the front line. So David had this man killed. So David lied, he committed adultery, and he committed murder. He did all, th all three things. But yet he was still a man after God's own heart. But you have to see David's heart, and we can see that in Psalms 51 in David's prayer. And I, and I challenge you this week to actually go, go through and read that entire prayer. Um, but I only got a small part of it. And it's in Psalms uh, 51.10. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If you just ask... God to give it. He's a good, good father, and that's what he does. And, and to be honest, my, my mouth is something that I struggle with the most. Um, I have six sisters. I wasn't allowed to fight with my fist. Um, I had to fight with my words, and I got really good at it. Uh, matter of fact, um, growing up as a teenager, um, where, I, where I grew up was kind of rough, and, and you had to use your words to fight. You know, I was the king at your mama jokes. Um, uh, so I would give that to my kids as well. So we, me and my kids would go back and forth with your mama jokes. I'd be talking about their mama. They'd be talking about my mama. And we'd all laugh, and it was all funny. Uh, until the beginning of this year, 
um, the Lord really convicted me. I started watching my kids, and I watched my kids, how they would cut each other, tell each other, that you're not good at this, I'm better at you than this. And, and before I know it, knew it, they were, they were swinging fists. You know, they were fighting. I was like, Lord, what is going on? What am I doing as a father that, you know, how do I fix this? And the Lord really laid it on my heart. He's like, they're just watching what their daddy does. And, and not that I'm swinging fists, but uh, I was using my words in a, in a harsh way to them and to their mom. And at the time, we were actually going through Ephesians through our connect group, AJ's connect group. And, and the, the word just really spoke to me. It was Ephesians 4, 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, that struck me right here, right here in the heart. Um, not in the mouth, it struck me in the heart. So at supper time, I was really convicted, and uh, we had a rough day, and I come to the table. And when I come to the table, I brought my hammer. I got an east wing hammer, 19 ounce, made in America. And I brought this hammer, and I laid it on the table. And all my kids and my wife were just looking at me like I was crazy. It's like, what is he doing? So I laid my, my, table, my hammer on the table, and I looked at them, and I... I had to humble myself. I had to look at each one of them, and I was like, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I said, this hammer right here has two ends. It has an end that you can use to build up, to drive in nails. Um, this hammer that I held at the hammer, and I said, this hammer has built many things, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of things it has built. But this hammer also has another end, and that's to tear down. And and I said, Daddy has used this end of the hammer to tear down thousands and thousands of dollars worth of things. I said, and Daddy has used this wrong end of the hammer um, to you and your mama. And I looked around, and all the kids were just in tears. I was in tears. We were all, it was a time of healing. So I had to ask for forgiveness. And I said, with the Lord's help, I want us to remember, memorize Ephesians 4.29. So each one of the kids memorized it. Um, my wife memorized it. I memorized it. And we would repeat it. Time and time after again. Matter of fact, my, my second son, he's really crafty. What he did, he actually took a hammer, a wooden hammer, and he wrote on it the Ephesians 4.29 and gave it to me. But I allow my kids and my wife and, and other people to hold me accountable when it comes to my words. Um, a lot of times when we get to jaw jacking back and forth, one of my kids will say, Daddy, what end of the hammer are you using? Uh, you know, so, you know, you may have used your words to hurt other people, but that's when you need to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. So maybe this morning that, you know, you've, you've been hurt by words. Um, I know a lot of people are walking around wounded from other people's words. And, and there may be some here today that, that feel wounded. Um, so what I would tell you to do is go back to the gospel. Um, I had to do that in my own life. I had to go back to the gospel. Because when you go back to the gospel... And you see Jesus, and he's, he's nailed to the cross. And, and people are mocking him, and people are spitting on him. People have hit him in the face. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then I remember what God forgave me of. You know, How can I not forgive somebody else? Um, so I had to actually go back in my past um, find areas where somebody hurt me, a family member hurt me, and I had to go to them, and I, had, I forgive you, you know. And there was so much healing in that. There was healing in that for me, and there was healing in that for the other person as well. Um, my wife wrote this down, 
and, and, and she wrote it down in, in my notes. And she had our kids also write it down on the mirrors in their bathroom. So every morning, that's what they see. Um, but what we have to do is allow Jesus, allow the Word to tell us who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, because really and truly, that's all that matters. Um, but it says, in Christ, I am chosen, I am changed, I am a new creation, I am forgiven, I am blessed, I am victorious, I am set free, I am healed, I am free from condemnation, I am more than a conqueror, I am dead to sin, I'm alive with Christ, I'm accepted in Him, I'm complete in Him, I am who I am because, Jesus, you are who you are and you are enough. If you can remember that every day, it, it really matters. It really matters to hear what your heavenly Father really says about you. It don't matter what your earthly Father says if you know what your heavenly Father says because, really, that's all that matters. So as the worship team comes up, I want to leave you with this. What is your next step? What is your next step? Maybe this morning you need a new heart. I, I, I don't know. Um, we're told in Ezekiel that he'll give us a new heart. All we have to do is ask. Um, salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift. It's grace. Um, all we have to do is receive it. And we do that by Romans 8, or Romans 10, uh, 9 through 10. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then on verse 13 it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you can have a new heart this morning. All you have to do is use your mouth to confess him as Lord. Not just Lord, not just Savior, but Lord. And then it says to believe in your heart. And that's sitting in that chair as Buck shared last, last week. So maybe that's your next step. Or your next step may be that, you know, you're already a believer, but, you know, you need a clean heart like David. You know, you still struggle with the things that come out of your mouth. You know, maybe you need to go and ask for forgiveness to somebody else. Or maybe you need to forgo forgive somebody. You know, what is your next step? So what we're, what we're going to do here now is the gospel demands a response. Um, when we hear God's word, I tell my kids all the time, if you just do what your daddy says do, your life would go so much better. If we would just do what our father says do, our lives would be so much better. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, what your next step is, but just do what your daddy's telling you to do. Just take that next step. Don't leave here without taking that next step. So another way the gospel demands a response is by next steps. And your next step may just be join a connect group. You know, I encourage you to do that. Man, you can really get poured on and loved on by people. Half of my connect group is here, and I thank y'all for supporting me and loving me and praying for me the way y'all have. Uh, God's doing amazing things in that group, and I'm excited to see what he's going to continue to do. And the next way that the gospel demands a response is the gospel uh, produces generous givers. Um, God don't need your money, um, but what, it, what we're able to do is we're, the gospel's able to go forth. Um, the money is used for missionaries to keep the lights on, for the air conditioner, these nice seats that you get to sit in and hear the word being preached every Sunday. Again, God don't need your money, 
But if you go back to the gospel and you realize what God had given us, he gave us everything he had. You know, God just don't want your 10%. He wants everything that you got. So we're fixing to open up the altars. And I want you to come pray. And I, again, I, my prayer is that you would leave here, leave here healed. You would leave here worshiping. Uh, you would leave here whole. And I would say if, if you see somebody come forward at the altar and pray, don't leave them by themselves. Come pray with them. Come pray over them. The music's going to be loud. They're not even going to know what you're saying, but they will feel loved. So if you see somebody come down here, come pray with them. Um, I know times that I've went to the altar and I've had somebody just pray over me, man. It has just really encouraged me. And that's one way we can use our words is through prayer and encouraging other people. So with all that being said, I'm going to pray. And I want you to respond to the gospel, however the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. If you want to be saved, you can. Um, you can come to me, come talk to me, come talk to AJ, Buck, after service. Um, we would love to pray over you and talk you through it. Um, but again, the altar's open. Um, Y'all just come as the Holy Spirit leads in God. So, Heavenly Father, I just love you. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word does not return void. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, that they would just, people just obey. Just do whatever our Father has told us to do. Do what you have told us to do. Take our next steps. Lord, give us the courage to do um, what you've called us to do. Lord, I thank you this morning that you gave me the, the courage to do what you've called me to do, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that um, we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers. Lord, and I just pray for the rest of our weekend, Lord, the July 4th, and, and just the reminder of the freedom that we have. Um, Lord, we just love you and we praise you. And I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.